0: relating why people collect something. Why do I have a 1975 Mego collection of superheroes? <laughs> because I remember playing um, playing with them with my dad. Yeah. There were no movies. It was straight from comic books to these action figures. What mm-hmm. we did with those was made up. Mm-hmm. And now I can look at those figures and I remember playing with them with my dad.
1: like i mean alex ross had the same same story like he could realize he couldn't be a superhero so he decided to be the one to draw them
0: right right and, <laughs> and i think that's a huge part of uh of the influence on me it was comic books it was tracing them it was putting silly putty on them and then mm-hmm. pulling the silly putty off and mashing up the way that the characters look or you know taking daredevil's head and putting it on spider-man's body very carefully <laughs> with, with that and um it's just that creativity that yeah. came from that
1: any episode, or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. In today's episode, our guest is Steve Fournette. He is the exhibition manager and collections manager of the Dunn Museum in Libertyville, Illinois. In this episode, we go over Steve's background, where where prior he worked for the Field Museum, and got to work on projects like Sue, the T-Rex, and others. And he goes into very great detail of his entire trajectory of where he's been, and then just in general, the process behind certain things of being able to, well, the quote is on there, wing it. Um, And that really personifies his jack of all trades mentality, where he just wants to try a little bit of everything and then tries to solve a problem. And by being able to do that, he has a very broad skill set. Outside of that, Steve is a massive collector and all things comic book or Star Trek related Um, and many other things in there that we don't really get to cover in this episode. But he's he really personifies a, a type of person that makes understands how impactful certain things can be in collecting. And it kind of it's funny to now as I'm talking about this to think about those things because as a collector, he gets to manage these massive collections at museums and things like that, but also has his own collections at home. And I allude to it myself in this episode, and I will try to put some pictures up, but I really want to do it justice, so I don't know if I want to just throw up any old pictures. I digress. Um the last part of this is Steve is opening a new exhibit, or at least his museum, the Dunn Museum is, and it is called The Marvelosity Art of Alex Ross. Alex Ross is one of the era-defining comic book artists, and this one is all about Marvel, and this will be opening March 9th, and this is no sponsorship from me, this is just, I wanted to share it because it works out perfect with the episode release, and the march 9th celebration steve will go into there's a um time stamp, so you guys can go check that out if that's what you're interested in and basically we just kind of go in detail of like what it was like to have all of the art there and all that kind of stuff it's really really fun and i hope you guys have if you live in the chicagoland area go check out the dunn museum to see this exhibit because it'll be their first big exhibit opening and yeah, this conversation was a ton of fun, and I think there's a lot of takeaways. So without further ado, everyone, please enjoy my conversation with Steve Furnett. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. Today, we're joined by Steve Furnett.
0: Hey, everybody. Nice to be here.
1: Thanks. I really appreciate you coming down. It's kind of a a long time coming since we haven't really been able to catch up in a, probably about a year now.
0: Right, In right. general. Since, the
1: holidays. Yeah, with the holidays and whatnot. Um, so if you wanted to start and give like your bio, like a little bit of your professional background.
0: Sure. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, <laughs> let's see my bio. Uh, maybe I'll start where I'm at now and go backwards a little bit. Yeah, that works. Um, my name is Steve Furnett, and I am the exhibition and collections manager for the Dunn Museum. And we're there in Libertyville, Illinois, and we're part of the Lake County Forest Preserve. And I've been working there for about 10 or 13 years, um, designing the museum exhibits and the uh, The Dunn Museum just reopened. We were closed for a couple years, bought a new building, and so I was lucky enough to be the lead designer on designing the museum. So not just an exhibit that was in there, but um, the flow, the exhibits, how everything goes. And before that, I was at the Field Museum in Chicago for about seven years. I joked that it was supposed to be 10, but I got out (laughs) 7 with uh, Good Behavior. Um, That's in downtown Chicago. And when I was there, I worked on the chocolate exhibit, uh, traveling exhibit. I also worked on Sue the dinosaur, so that was kind of cool, too. And let's see, before that, uh, (laughs) I did freelance artwork for a company in Chicago called Cozan Studios, and that was uh, a Rush studio. So that's okay. um, nothing to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Either Oprah would call or John Hughes, like a movie producer or a TV show, and they needed something done right away. Wow. Um, usually <clears throat> it was something that was uh, due to start filming Monday, and they would call us on Thursday, and we would work basically Thursday night till mm-hmm. Monday morning.
1: Wow. Just to, like, force it through, basically? To yeah, three. to get everything done. <laughs> we
0: made a ton of money, but uh it was rough. But uh, I learned a little bit of everything.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. That I, can,
0: like I it. can make a tree out of foam, and I can, you know... <laughs> like, like, fake it to your baby kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, like. exactly. Uh, but I learned a lot along that, how to deal with, uh you know, production designers and set designers and stuff like that, oh, so that was pretty cool. super
1: cool. So, how does one... It seems like stumble into this very unique but (laughs) interesting field. It was
0: completely a stumble. So uh, um, let's see. How did I end up at the museum? So I went to... Columbia College in Chicago, that's where Mm -hmm. I graduated from. Before that, I went to American Academy. I also went to Triton Community College. I went to Wright Junior College. I was really trying not to have student loans when I left school. So it took me about 10 years to get through college. I worked a lot through there, hustled a lot through there, (laughs) straight (laughs) up hustling. And uh, let's see, Um, I'd say it was about two or three weeks to go before graduation from Columbia. And I took a class called Visual Anthropology with a great professor, Joan Erdman, Mm -hmm. and um, I took it because it fit into the schedule. (laughs) I can't say that I was that interested in it. I'm glad that I did. It was a great class. But uh, one of the things we had to do for her class was go to the Field Museum. Um, She set us up to take a tour of their library, which Mm -hmm. is normally behind the scenes sort of thing. You can't just go in. So we went in there on the way down. Now two years, ten years after I started college, two weeks to go before I graduate. Uh, that professor on the elevator down at the Field Museum says, "You should get a job at the Field Museum." And I go, "Okay." So uh, I was, you know, she's like, "You like anthropology? You have this art background and..." seems like a perfect place for you. And I just went like, okay.
1: Like that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Right? <laughs> like,
0: uh, I went there as I, uh, when I was a kid all the time, I would watch my dad and I would watch, um, shows on PBS. Yeah. One specifically was this treasures of the Concepcion. I remember like some Spanish ship that sunk and there were gold coins and they found them. And at yeah. the end of the special on PBS, it said, come to the field museum to see these coins. And I looked at my dad and he's like, we're going tomorrow. <laughs> so we drove down there and we saw this and you know, I grew up in Chicago, so going to that place was was magic. Right. The Field yeah. Museum is a castle, you know, to me. And, mm-hmm. and um, I, we had, a, I went down, sent a resume in, had an interview. And at the time, I don't know if they still do it, but you had to take a box test. So they flip over blueprints in the wood shop. This is like a full on <laughs> hardcore wood shop. And you have to build this little box. Whoa. On a table saw. And, i remember the day before i went for the test i asked my neighbor where i lived like what are the measurements on a tape measure like what are the li- i mean i know a quarter half inch and three quarter but what are the little ones in between and he explained this to me so uh i think what might come up on this podcast a lot is um be ready to wing it yeah you know so i went down there and kind of winged the box test and wow. uh, passed and and um Maybe right place, right time kind of a thing Yeah. Uh, without just completely rambling. Um, One of the jobs I had before any of this was repairing x-ray equipment, x-ray machines. So I learned electronics Mm -hmm. from how to do that. And when I was at the Field Museum, they have a department called uh, Interactives. So that's anything in a museum that moves for the most part. It could be mechanical. It could be, uh, you know, press a button and hear an audio track. Well, that stuff was kind of familiar to me and i was there on a six month term so after six months i wasn't guaranteed a job Mm, but um the guy who had that job for a while uh, quit i think kind of got into a fight with somebody and quit Mm. i was there at the right place at the right time they gave me that shop and i ran the shop as the supervisor for seven years so and basically uh, one good thing about the field museum is it kicks ass on a resume like yeah if right you say everybody there, knows it like yeah it's yeah
1: globally renowned
0: absolutely <laughs> so from going there to the small which at the time was the lake county discovery museum in wakanda mm-hmm. um you know that's how i ended up there and that place grew uh, i'd like to think i had something to do with that picking out exhibits and that sort of stuff but uh so here we are at the dunn museum it's been open for a year and that's kind of my long-winded backstory
1: i mean it's so cool i mean just the. To- even be remotely connected to the museum has got to be a little surreal yeah kind of looking back on it yeah um is there anything that you can say like because i mean for the public at least the museum themselves is like a small fraction of what actually goes on Mm -hmm. at the museum right
0: right oh yeah i think think, uh i don't want to say a museum standard but for the most part two to three percent of what you see in any museum Mm -hmm. uh is from their collection. So that right, means yeah. there's 97% of what you don't see that's in the collection somewhere. Yeah. And it's it's true with where I'm at now. I think we're up to two, and we're hoping to get it to 3%. Wow. But, so, so it's so, always
1: like a trying to push as much out to the public as possible kind of thing?
0: Yeah, with uh, not making it look like a garage sale or right, a flea market. Yeah, so there's some designy <laughs> parts in there. or um, you know, uh, I think there's some trending stuff, what people want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken Burns comes out with a Civil War miniseries oh, cool. on PBS and then people want to see yeah, the Civil War sense. stuff. So you um, guys
1: kind of have to th- keep your ear to the ground, so to speak of like what's going on in the like history world or.
0: Definitely. It, it, that's a, that's a huge part of that's very cool. how I put stuff from our collection into mm-hmm. design.
1: That's very cool. I would never actually thought of that. Like it wouldn't, that like intuitive. Right. But it, I guess it makes a lot of sense. Cause mm-hmm. like, people see something on TV or on the internet and like, Ooh, where, where is that really? You know, kind of like what you saw, like where you got the coins on the PBS TV. (laughs) No,
0: that's a perfect tie. And that's what I went down there to go see. And then, you know, um, growing up in Chicago, my dad was a butcher and Mm -hmm. my mom was a homemaker and we would, you know, we had a Disney vacation in there somewhere. A lot of times (laughs) we'd go to the Dells. Um, there might be a summer where there wasn't the money to go anywhere. And I remember my dad saying, um, you know, we're going to go downtown and go to a museum. Which yeah. one do you want to go to? Do you want to see the submarine or do you want to see the dinosaurs and the mummies, right. you know? And I didn't know that which one was which, but I know
1: you knew of those things, right? Yeah, so I'm like, <laughs> I want
0: to go to the coal mine and the submarine. And then we'd go to museum of science and industry. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I want to see dinosaurs and mummies. We go to the field <laughs> museum. You want to go to the aquarium one? You want to go to the, yeah. you know, outer space one and just lucky enough to grow up in Chicago where right. those things are I think, I think are that's there.
1: kind of an overlooked thing too, right? To have that that's so close to us like even us in the northwest suburbs we're roughly an hour away Mm We're, and even us, we're like super close to a train station, so we can kind of go to it whenever we want without and have,
0: thinking about it. And yeah, that. without
1: really even having to plan it. And right. it's such a cool thing. And, and just for me, because my own interest is you know, background, as you've known me since I was smaller than <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> since I could <can> probably remember, <laughs> right, right? Um, t- what was it like to work on Sue? <laughs> oh, what
0: was it like to work on Sue, <laughs> or at least um, whatever
1: part you were involved with?
0: So. So, Sue is pretty unique. Um, they, they got it before I started there, meaning mm-hmm. Sue Hendricks uh, discovered it. Um, the Field Museum bought it, straight out bought it in an yeah. auction. I think they had some partners like McDonald's, and I'm not sure who else, maybe Disney, because I think there's a copy at, at Disney World in Florida okay. of Sue. And um, so, I, I was there. I knew they had it. They did like... Um, What's the name of it? Like a fossil prep lab mm-hmm. first so people could see it being uncrated and they did a great oh, job. Oh, like
1: excavating it from the, the slabs of rock and stuff like right, that. Right, right, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And <clears throat> so visitors could see the scientists working on it. So that was kind of going on when I was there already. And then it was, okay, we're going to, you know, put it together. We're going to put it out. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of us thought it was going to be um, on the third floor somewhere in a gallery, and when they announced it was going to be in Stanley Field Hall in the main right hall in the main like, hallway, holy cow, you know. Um, so it was really cool, and I think uh, I was there for maybe two or three years. They hired a lot of outside contractors to do some of the work, like mm-hmm. to build the mount for it. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and then our designers worked on where to place it in Stanley Field Hall, and um i was involved with working with the contractors um who designed the interactives so that was kind of cool like you know we want this switch to do this or Mm -hmm. we want this lever to do that and then they would work with me on here's how it should work yeah um and the opening event i totally remember that for the rest of my life you know cnn coming to a museum (laughs) or um you know, Morning Good Morning America was there covering yeah. it. Pretty sure it was. I them. mean, it was
1: a really big event. I, th- I want to say it was like 1999 or yeah, so. it was around there. And I remember watching a documentary on it, like because every so often I'll go through my phase of back into the dinosaur world for myself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because for the longest time, as a little kid, I wanted to be a paleontologist mm-hmm. and could say probably over. 30 names of the full latin no, right. of, you, as you remember probably <laughs> vaguely yes and I do. like i don't know it's just such a magical thing to kind of like have that so close because i just remember being like it's just such a interesting thing to like i don't even really know what the draw was of it mm-hmm. at this point it's just like something that's just so deep in the core of my interest right, right. <laughs> that it's just kind of there right it's yeah. like the same thing with comic books which we'll definitely tangent into okay, later on <laughs> but like it's it's just such a cool thing to be a part like just to even be a part of because you know for for most people you see it and it's just like you know this giant you know skeleton giant
0: monster right and you're
1: just kind of like to, to look at it and be like wow how do they actually get that to stand because you mm-hmm. know one leg is the size of a person
0: right <laughs> right no it and and i got to you know just by being in team meetings over here some of that and i normally wouldn't be involved in how it was mounted or mm-hmm. where it would go but if they had a full team meeting where everybody was in there um got to hear why it was in stanley field hall the way it was <clears> it was turned on an angle because it from my understanding it was too heavy um, oh, wow. to put north to south if that makes sense like so, the floor wouldn't right the floor wouldn't the hold properly so they needed to turn it to cross two i-beams that ran through the floor oh, wow and, um, i
1: was wondering why that because we went there a couple of years ago and that was, like, when my brother had started his photography stuff. Okay. And, like, we took the photo. And I'm like, wow, it's not really, like, positioned in the center of the room. Mm-hmm. Like, I just noticed it offhandedly, like, looking back at the picture. And I was like, that's interesting. Like, there's got to be a reason they did that. Because, like, yeah, the huge a d- floor. <laughs> the
0: huge floor, marble top on there. we have got to remember when that building was built. Right, You yeah. know, it was either it was either bolster up the floor from underneath, but that would have taken space away from something in the basement, which right. was used. Um, so it was turned that way on purpose. And then it was, we can't put the head on, you know, the original heads upstairs cause it's so heavy mm-hmm. and they actually did, uh, like a simulated wind chamber. Oh, wow. Um, animations if you will to show if the front door north door and south door of the field museum were opened at the same time and when went through yeah what it would do to the fossil would it bob up and down how it would work Whoa. So <laughs> it was pretty hardcore and i wasn't involved in 100 percent of all That's those so cool. but <laughs> just overhearing those things was yeah. was pretty cool
1: so what do they do you know what they make the like casts of the bones because obviously it's not all the real bones
0: i think those are all the head is fiberglass yeah on okay. the real sue um the rest of it is all the real bones. Oh, it's okay.
1: So everything everything except the head is real.
0: And the, the real head is there. I think it's in its own case. Yeah,
1: it was usually, it's like upstairs. And I the think the it was pretty kind of
0: mashed up. So yeah. I think in order to uh, straighten out the head and straighten out the jaw, it would have looked like wired Frankenstein looking uh, gotcha. head, you know? Yeah. I'm sure they would gr- did a great job of mounting it professionally, but still, mm-hmm. um, I think the replicated cast gives the impression. Yeah. Cause it gives know.
1: it the full complete picture of what yeah, it should have looked it. like.
0: And now it's up on the third floor too. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I they just, a couple months ago.
1: I think they just opened the exhibit okay. recently. Right. Yeah. It, where they, cause they're putting in, I forget what it's called. I think it's a Titanosaur in the main.
0: Oh, right. Gigantus. The, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> it's like sure a Titan. It's like a
1: huge sauropod dinosaur. Okay. It's going to basically take up the entire floor plan. And you'll be able to walk underneath the rib cage.
0: Yeah, I haven't been there in a while. Since. Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: but yeah, that's that's the new thing. So they basically took Sue out of the main area and put her in her own room. Mm-hmm cool to better showcase her scale mm. is what they said
0: that was a one of the things I do remember from the opening event they had a corral yeah sue Corral put around it and the curtains went way up because you can stand on the balcony and look down into it so yeah. they had curtains that went up even higher <laughs>
1: so you couldn't see through it and I
0: remember I was like on the fourth floor looking out a window for yeah. the opening event and they had some uplighting, so it looked like it was going to be huge and yeah, when those right. curtains fell Mm -hmm. they kept falling and falling and falling and no sue yet and no sue yet and then (laughs) then yay it's (laughs) like come on where is it but uh i i can't wait to see it in the new spot like i imagine it's gonna look giant when when
1: we went there probably about probably last year we would gone there they had just started building the, the area. Okay. And, like, the they had the fake walls in, in there, and there's, like, one spot where you could see they put, like, a window that you could see into the area, but it was just Sue in there for now. Okay. There's nothing else was done yet. Okay, okay. But okay. it's basically going to be in the centerpiece of, like, the dinosaur prehistoric area. Okay, so that evolving you, planet again. Yeah, basically. So okay. if you walk through there, you'll, you'll be able to get through, like, all the rest of the dinosaurs, and then you'll see Sue as, like, the centerpiece. Cool. So it's like super cool. <laughs> I
0: have to go down there. Call a few friends. Yeah, right. See if they can sneak me in the back door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's just so cool to be part of that. And like one of the so this is like a tangent, but like one of the books that I always, always read was uh, co-authored by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. Okay. They wrote the book The Relic. That was like oh great. right
0: right yeah I think they film they made the part movie. of the movie in there and right so
1: their their stories all at least the first like few stories all took place in the Museum of Natural History in New York. Okay. And it was, like, always one of the cool things for me to be kind of, like, behind the scenes of, like, what goes on inside a museum kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And it's always, I don't know, just kind of pull back the curtain is, like, always interesting for me um, just to see how the design of that stuff goes. Right. You know? Because you don't really get to see it. Like, it's just all there, you know, fully prepped and it's just. Yeah, ready to go. Ready to go. So you don't get to see a lot of the. The hard work and just understanding of how to best do this stuff
0: yeah it's uh <laughs> it's it's a scene <laughs> um you know something like that where you knew that was gonna be huge like right. you knew sue was gonna be the biggest thing in chicago if not in the museum world for Probably
1: almost a ever a decade right? or so yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: i mean that was the biggest meanest looking dinosaur ever we were lucky enough to get it and uh tons of people worked on it i mean i was one tiny small part from mm-hmm. You know, Sue Hendricks, who founded it, and the designers and the paleontologists who worked on it. I mean, yeah. years of studying before it can get there. And they wanted, scientists wanted their hands on it before the mount makers could get it to do scans of it to figure out how big its brain was, like the science. I wanted to it first before it even hit the yeah. mount makers. And Phil Fraley is the guy who did the mounts for it. And I believe he's in New York. And I'm pretty sure it got shipped there and then shipped back. And, oh, wow. And it was a huge thing, you yeah. know? So, um, to say I worked on a tiny bit of it. And um, another thing us exhibit designer people do is hide (laughs) little uh, Easter eggs, I think they're called around. (laughs) So uh, um, when my daughter was born, um, uh, there's a couple animations that are in in a uh, evolving planet the yeah. exhibit and um i worked with the animator pat bradley on those and we put a ton of little easter eggs and all the animations in the back like either our daughter's name somewhere or Just wife's like hiding name it like in the like animation somewhere <clears throat> if there's like a little barometer somewhere then we put like the name of a fellow designer as the name of the barometer and <laughs> and so <laughs> because no one's gonna look that detailed at. no one's gonna look at it and it was kind of fun to see what we can sneak through so if you're at the field museum one that i i think is still there if you go down to underground adventure there's a giant animatronic crayfish yep and if you're standing straight looking at it to your left there's a rocky wall that's supposed to look like it's underground mm-hmm. there's a couple moldoramas that are in the wall yeah. that are painted brown and you may need your flashlight off your phone to check them out but you know whenever somebody's doing something to break the monotony we kind of put those little easter eggs that's so cool around <laughs> right
1: yeah uh, it's so cool to like sneak in like this art stuff mm-hmm. like w- like one of the things i wanted to bring up because you post these on your facebook every so often is your m- meeting notes oh yeah and uh-huh. i was just like i'm like wow you like your art is so interesting like to just see the you know your doodle doodles but you know mm-hmm. for your doodles are probably better than you know the average person's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
0: thank you very much uh
1: like is that always been a thing of yours just to doodle art
0: yeah like- i mean uh yes it's always been something and you know you get in trouble for it in grammar school and and maybe it's a little more accepted in high school and and get to college and get to art school and you can basically put that in your senior art show um i think the cool thing was i've been lucky enough to have bosses and and design managers who know that's part of the game they're not going to tell you to stop doodling or drawing or doing something you know you never know when that might spawn something else but uh it's fun to do, and and for the record, I do take good notes. Those are just kind of on the side, right? You yeah. know, <laughs> and, and it's kind of fun to do. And uh, sometimes I get requests. Like, draw a picture oh, yeah. something like that before the meeting starts. Or <laughs> it's my silent rebellion. If I'm not happy about being in the meeting, I could do something like board meeting and draw how bored I am. <laughs> so um, the people sitting to the right and left of me are usually the target audience Yeah, yeah those. They're, the they're audience more, of two. Yeah, they're you
1: know, more right entertained by what you're drawing <laughs>
0: than the actual meeting going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are fun. Hashtag meeting notes.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, think, I think that's a really fun thing to just kind of, you know, break the monotony because I can think a lot of people in today's world are you know endless meetings or Mm -hmm. endless email stuff so if you can break up the monotony and kind of even if you're just sneaking in something like right like board meeting and you're Mm. just kind of making a parody of it yes like it's kind of a fun thing like it makes it even more memorable in that way yeah
0: my other favorite one is like uh if you're sending a message to your iphone you could delete that thing that says sent from my iphone and sent from my eye what sent from my left eye sent from my eye, (laughs) but whatever you put in there and just to see if anybody knows what it is. It's kind
1: of funny. One of the things, so I like, I follow another podcaster. Uh, he does a five bullet Friday. So it's like a weekly newsletter that goes out every day okay, or every Friday rather. And he, um, posted a thing, like a text exchange that he was talking to his friend and he's like, Hey, did you get like, I'm trying to send you a picture. Did you get my picture yet? And he's like, no, it's not loading yet. It's Mm -hmm. not done. He's like, you know, there's a non-zero chance that you might be just screwing with me and you just sent me a GIF of the, you know, photo downloading image. And he's like, you know what? That's a good idea. That's a great idea. So he gave us the. So he gave us a JPEG of the uh, iPhone loading. No way! That's <laughs> so awesome. I have a picture of it on my phone, and now I just spoiled the beans. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> but I'm gonna need that too.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm gonna say. It. <laughs> Can you just imagine like, dude, such and such? You know, you just fill in the blank of just mischievousness. Right, right. It's just so much fun to think about.
0: No, I, I think with uh, doing what I do, and it's you know, I guess museum world, professional world, and mm-hmm. be careful around the artifacts. And, yeah, exactly. And all that stuff. There's a lot of nonsense going on you yeah, know you got, um, i mean it,
1: you're still creatives at heart
0: yeah right in that environment it is yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a blast
1: it, it seems really cool and like you know for me as you know this basement is its own little museum and so many pretty <laughs>
0: awesome down here <laughs> you need to post a picture of
1: i this. know i need to. I really want to do it justice it's just a matter of getting my brother to
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> to, to do the video
1: properly and stuff like that because it's so weird to be you know able to like you know a person can have a personal collection of stuff mm-hmm. right and just you know like we were talking about before where you have like baseball cards and all that stuff mm-hmm. and just having the ability to collect something that resonates right like before you started recording you had that you know idea of like why do people collect right and right i
0: think that's a really cool story it was the best thing ever it was uh <laughs> so i'll recap it if you want yeah go there's, ahead absolutely on netflix there's um a series called The Toys That Made Us. And I think Mark Bellamo, who did like the Transformers handbook and mm-hmm. like the Star Wars handbook, I think he has some co author, maybe something to do with it, or, or, yeah. or one of the consultants. Um, I'm not sure if it was the, the Star Wars or Star Trek episode. Um, Professor John Tenuto is on both of them. And, um, I haven't talked to it well so anyways I'm watching one of these and but I'm watching I'm not the type of person who can sit down and watch tv if I go to the movies I can watch the movie but when I'm at home I'm always doing something else for good or bad (laughs) and I hear in the background this uh, gentleman like one of the consultants that they have on their interviewers and he's talking about why people collect and it was um, I think his comparison was if you're Catholic you have a crucifix in your house if you're um, an American and and you might have an American flag somewhere in your house. And why do you have those things? Because it's a symbol of something you can't hold in your hand. It's right. not tangible. So relating why people collect something, why do I have a 1975 Mego collection of superheroes? <laughs> because I remember playing um, playing with them with my dad. Yeah. There were no movies. It was straight from comic books to these action figures. What mm-hmm. we did with those was made up. Mm-hmm. And now I can look at those figures and I remember playing with them with my dad. If it's my Star Wars counter figures, which I still have, almost, not all of them, but close, That's um, awesome. I'll never get the blue snaggle tooth. It's too expensive. <laughs> but um, uh, I can look at those, and I remember going to Osco on Central and Lawrence with my mom uh, about a week or two after the movie came out, maybe longer. Yeah. And no, it had to be longer because they weren't out when the movie came out. Yeah. But I remember buying those and telling the woman behind the counter i want the darth vader because they're behind the counter and i want the chewbacca and she said honey just come back here and point to him because i don't know who those people are <laughs> you know and so if you can put that in the right time frame who doesn't know who darth vader is now know, or, or chewbacca
1: i mean it's so weird for me now to be even at 25 probably 10 before episode one or so like when i was in elementary school
0: mm-hmm.
1: liking star wars was not cool still right you know like it wasn't as mainstream as it is today like where everybody thinks Star Wars is cool Mm -hmm. like yeah oh yeah it it was
0: definitely a subculture (laughs) back then for sure
1: and it's so it's just such a crazy thing to see how it morphs over time like Mm -hmm. once it like reaches a critical mass and like the collecting thing I think it's it's like almost something that goes back to even like the anthropology of like what it means to be human. Sure. Right. Like you could could definitely pull back the strings and see, like figure out why people do collect. And you know, just you explaining your story, like, you know, how it reminds you of your dad and Mm -hmm. like, or just experiences with the movies and things like that. Um, Yeah. I mean, I remember being like super little and instead of being like your standard little kid who'd sleep in on the weekends, I would have my dad Mm -hmm. wake me and my brother up and we're like, probably seven. He was probably seven. I was probably more like nine because mm-hmm. we're two years apart. And he'd be like, all right, we're going to go toy hunting. Yes. You know, that's what he'd call yeah, it. Yeah. And we'd be up at like six in the morning uh-huh. as like these little
0: kids <laughs> right,
1: on, our, on our off days from school, right? Yeah. And he's like, we're going toy hunting. And we'd be like at Toys R Us's or Walmarts mm-hmm. and uh, Targets as they open. Right. And, like, we're going to, okay, we're looking for, you know, the new Hot Wheels or the new Star Wars or mm-hmm. the new Spider Man, something or another. Right. And, you know, we'd be there with all these other guys in their 30s and 40s.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're the only little kids there. Right, right. With these other toy collectors. But that thrill of finding something, that yeah. thrill of finding the piece you're looking for, that's something that, <laughs> that uh, Professor Tenuto didn't talk about. I mean, I, I appreciate totally 100% that holding that Darth Vader figure reminds me of finding out that that was Luke's dad. Yeah. Like, You know, and you can't hold that thing, you can't hold that feeling, but holding that figure kind of relates back to that. Mm -hmm. But there's also something for finding the find. Yes. And that's kind of what I... Like the treasure
1: hunt. Yes, I
0: love the treasure (laughs) hunt, which goes back to your anthropology thing, you know, like... Yeah they found Sue in the middle of nowhere and you can go to a flea market and find a, a Darth Vader head Mm -hmm. case from 1977 filled with star Wars figures. And that's a rush, man, you know, like finding that and opening it up. And there's something cool about that. It's maybe being a kid again. I don't (laughs) don't know what it is, but it's awesome. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's it's like almost the same feeling that you get when you're like making a project and you're like, have this thing, you're like, all right, I need to figure out how to do this thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, for an exhibit even, like, you're like, I need the lighting to hit the right way or something. Yeah. And yeah. you, and it, like, you you get it all set up and you try it and you, you know, you're tweaking it a little bit and then all of a sudden you like, like, I think it's ready mm-hmm. and you turn it on and then that feeling where it's like, it works. It works. You know, like that it works moment mm-hmm. and it looks like you imagine it looking is it's just like, Yes. Yeah, from
0: a Google SketchUp rendering of <laughs> what this museum would look like and then pitching it to the board of directors mm-hmm. and them okaying the yeah. million or so dollars it was <laughs> to build it and then being there on opening day with my wife and my daughter and walking through and being like, hell yeah. Yeah, like, right. You know, that, just that feeling. And taking my ID off so nobody knows who I am and just like walking up to people and hearing opinions. And yeah. I, I love doing that. I like, bet that's even
1: more more fun to be, you know – one of the, the, the behind the scenes crew, like mm-hmm. you're not like the director that everyone could like go Google and be like, you know, he the head of this project or something mm-hmm. where you had a small part of it but then you can still go like, you know, take the thermometer of what people think. Right. About it and yeah. just be like, oh cool feedback without, you know, them filtering it. Mm-hmm.
0: Well I go, you know, the yes i designed co-designed the museum the lead designer on it and then walking through every monday because we're closed on monday Mm -hmm. i walk through every monday and turn the lights on turn the monitors on (laughs) make sure everything's working yeah pick up the band-aids and kleenexes (laughs) that are laying on the ground you know um that's part of the pride of it you know to know that tuesday morning when we open to the public it's going to be perfect Mm -hmm. you know so um i don't mind doing anything i think i think uh Jack of all trades goes a long way. Yeah. More I, than a, kind of a master of one sometimes. It's it's so
1: funny that you say that because that's like a huge drive for me doing this podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> because I hate labels. Sure. Like, sure, you have to label things just for right, right. posterity's sake, mm-hmm. but I don't like labeling myself yep. because I think my interests are too broad. Mm-hmm. And just like hearing you recounting what your story is like, it really matches that kind of philosophy where you've kind of... You know, tried a whole bunch of different things, and then you blend it all together to create, you know, a display of something.
0: And you don't even know where it's going to, (laughs) when it's going to happen or when it's going to come from, and Mm -hmm. people could say lucky, but it's the skill behind it to be at the right place at the right time, and that's part of it, and, you know, why did I go from... Wright Junior College to Triton to Columbia, I think back to Wright to American Academy, back to Columbia, seriously. Yeah. um, To get this teacher and on one elevator ride, (coughs) 15 second elevator ride, (laughs) for her to say, You should work at the Field Museum. Right. Did everything leave up to that? I mean, I don't know about fate and all that other stuff, but it was all, you know, the x ray experience paid off seven years later. Mm -hmm. Like, doodling paid off right you know yeah, i know <laughs> like but i think it's right place right time or putting yourself in the position to have something good happen you yeah know, to see that opportunity
1: i think it's like a slow march of like just putting yourself because even in my short career and now that i'm you know wrapping up school and then you know like you said putting yourself in the position like this podcast like it's the the amount of stuff i've learned outside of formal education just by saying i want to try to do this mm-hmm. like x whatever x winds up being you know right. <laughs> and what that could be what fill in your interest is this like it just pays dividends into areas that i never would have guessed mm-hmm. you know and then like right, all right. of a sudden it's like you have these stories you can talk about and like oh yeah i've tr-, like for some reason something connects back and you're like oh yeah i've tried this it's similar to you know something that you never would have in your wildest right. dreams connected it back
0: to And then
1: all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, I can solve this problem because of that.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, that that happens a lot in the museum world. Everything's planned perfectly. And then you may go to install something, and it's messed up. Yeah. You know? Um, There's another really talented guy. I work with Justin Collins. He's at um, a museum in California right now. But uh, a lot of times, we do something, and it would seem like it's not really what we should be doing. Yeah. If if that's the case, like uh, to make these fake replicated trees, we had to buy sewer pipe. That was maybe three and three feet around. And then we bought rubber tree bark and wrapped it around there. And I think he said, um, the carpenters could be doing this, just wrapping that bark around these things. Why are, why is it our job? Like as an exhibit person to do this. And, um, so it was a really good question. He worked for me at the time, and so we wrapped this bark around. Well, now it has to meet in the back of this, yeah. you know, tube. You're, you're taking
1: a flat sheet and making it circular, basically. Right, right? wrapping it
0: around there, and we're screwing it down and using, you know, um, some type of. Liquid nails to hold everything on. Well, when you join it, there's a gap. You know, it's not always perfect. We didn't cut it perfect, or it's the way it's made is not perfect. Yeah. And so we have to mix up some two-part epoxy. And we have to fill in that gap, and we have to match it with paint. And And I remember saying to him, <laughs> this is why we're doing it. Because anybody can get it 95% done, but it's that last 5% that it takes an exhibit person to do it, or somebody yeah. who knows how to mix two-part epoxy, someone who could replicate uh, oak um texture bark texture right somebody who can paint it so it doesn't look fake someone after it's painted to put the gloss on it and then how are we gonna you know stand it straight up and down we'll put Mm -hmm. velcro on the bottom of it so it latches to the (laughs) carpet so it doesn't kick out you know but um i think that last five percent of life that's the cool part yeah you know the part
1: It just makes me reminds me of like you know I just finished my senior design project for school and stuff and it's like you can get it like you said the ninety five percent but then putting the finishing touches and the things that are like the the, you know the beautiful imperfections of it right Right, right. the things you had to like you know cover up that seam that wasn't supposed to be there (laughs) it's just there in practice right because you can design it in three D and it'll look perfect but then all of a sudden when you actually go and do it you're like oh. You're,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna know this one better than me i don't know what star wars movie it was it yeah. was maybe the um last one of the second trilogy i don't know the proper terminology so
1: the, uh, the the prequel movies like yeah Run so T3. the prequel
0: right yeah so it's anakin and obi-wan get yeah. caught in some beam thing
1: oh yeah the tractor beam and do stuff? you know remember
0: yeah. what he says <sighs> not really how did this happen we're smarter than oh us. yeah. And that always stuck in my head. Like, I don't mean to be quoting that, but when I get yeah. to work and I'm doing something and something gets effed up and I just go like, Oh my God, I've been doing this for 25 years. I'm <laughs> how did this happen? I'm smarter than this. And yeah. I mean, like totally it, it, it's something I don't want to say like that a movie that movie inspired me. But if there's like a hang up or something like, okay, I'm smarter than this. I've done this before. Right. Yeah. How do I, you can work through it. How do I work through this? Yeah. Yep. yep, That's
1: super. I mean, that's super important. And like, that's what I've been, uh, I try to talk about because a lot of the people I've had on here are like younger that are like, you know, 25 ish, like my age basically. Mm. And one of the things I always say is it's better to view things in the, in the, like the viewpoint of a project because you can't, it can't fail. Mm -hmm. right like you have to put it out in its best possible form in this moment Mm -hmm. right Right, so like you're the way i think about it is like you're more apt to take problem solving like that Mm -hmm. where you know you've got it 90 percent of the way there but it's not quite perfect yet right you're more likely to be able to be like okay here's where we are i know what it needs to look like how do i make it do that thing
0: Mm -hmm. and and not having so much (laughs) pride in yourself that you can't ask. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, 20 years ago, I wouldn't know how to do that or how to watch mix epoxy or whatever yeah. it is. And then standing in the gallery now with my phone, how to mix two part epoxy, um, <laughs> how to stamp a pattern into epoxy before it hardens. I can find all that stuff. Yeah. Like I can look how to do it or, um, you're going to grow up with the same people, with the same friends. You're going to hear about their experiences. So, yep. how do I do something like this? Oh, I know a guy. Yeah. I know this guy, Tyler, awesome. Uh, Tyler Keeler, awesome. Um, he created the Dryptosaurus, a life size Dryptosaurus oh, really? dinosaur that's at the Dunn Museum. Like, he's the ace in the hole. Call this guy. Like, that's I don't so know how cool. to mix this thing or I don't <laughs> know how to do this. And, and um, just having that network of friends in the museum world is a huge world. Every place on the world pretty much has a museum yeah. but it's a tiny world we all it's a
1: special like network of people yeah, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: like if you can talk to somebody in the museum profession and maybe uh, it's like what two degrees of separation i don't know really? you but i know somebody that you know wow yeah yeah it's pretty cool i
1: wouldn't imagine it being so tight-knit considering i mean there's so many different museums in the world mm-hmm. right
0: yeah and and i think a lot of people you know come in as an intern coming on a six-month mm-hmm. term and they go somewhere and learn something else and oh that know, makes sense yeah and they're going from one it's museum. always like a
1: dream like a dream thing to kind of like not a feather in the cap thing because it's makes it sound more of a Prestige, because I think it's more of like a like a, it's more of like a childhood like.
0: Oh yeah, for me. Yeah, you know, oh, like you, yeah. you
1: kind of have that like, like that pull where you're like, yeah, like you just have that urge. Who are, who are these
0: people who get to work at a museum and make little statues and yeah. figures and push buttons <laughs> things? Like where? Yeah. Where do they? Where do they come from? Like right, where's yeah. the where's the class where they teach you how to exactly. go to a museum? That's what I always
1: I think of like you know having these conversations is like my way of picking. Like that exact question is Mm. like how does like how does someone who does these like this super interesting job that no one is like not your first level job of like museum. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Like, I think I'll go work at a museum. Okay. Right. Like it was half, uh, had that art background and half stupidity. Like, sure. <laughs> I'll just go work at a museum. How hard could it be? You I know,
1: do do you think that naivety though? Like that? Like, sure. Like my teacher, like my teacher wouldn't steer me wrong kind of thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> paid I, off. Cause like a lot of people I think would be like, there's no way I would, I can qualify to be able to be like, you know that uh, kind of idea.
0: Um, I think it was a little confidence in myself. And was, hindsight is
1: 2020,
0: right? <laughs> confidence in myself and um, and thick skin. Yeah. You know, so I go there and it doesn't work out. Okay, I wasn't thinking about it an hour ago. That you know, it wasn't something that I would be like, it's my lifelong dream to work here. And now yeah. I'm crushed because it didn't happen. It would be like, okay, I'll go to another museum because this museum thing seems cool to me right now. You know, it was uh, doing freelance artwork, which was a blast. <clears throat> unless you own a house yeah. and then you have to make a mortgage payment you know freelance is awesome if you don't get a phone call for yeah. 3 weeks and you have a mortgage payment too so uh it's not super stable <laughs> yeah not stable at all so um you know instead of working for one freelance art firm then you work for three there's Cozan Ravenswood Skyline yeah. and you throw your name in the pool for all of them and you could be paying painting a mural somewhere or carving a tree out of foam or building a giant happy meal box for a trade (laughs) show convention. And so um, all those things were fun and it's awesome that you could, you know, stay late and drink and smoke and do whatever and hang out (laughs) with all these cool people. And then you go home and you have a mortgage payment. So that's kind of happy. I got a full-time job. (laughs) Yeah. I
1: I can imagine. I mean, it's, it's super stressful in that, in that era of things just to be not sure if you're going to make enough (laughs) to make ends meet. Yeah. Uh, And that's a motivator too. right exactly like it's a it's such a blurry line for any creative type to kind of find you know how to balance the creativity with mm-hmm. stable right
0: right <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh throw yourself in 100 percent if you want to go into the fine art world mm-hmm. i think have thick skin and kind of don't care what people say and yeah right. having some talent and something unique
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: helps but uh <laughs> i think everybody finds their level i think that's yeah. what i always kind of looked at it like if you're comfortable living with a bunch of guys and girls in a shitty apartment somewhere and not making ends meet, that's awesome. Like yeah, I'm no not knocking that. You. Yeah, I'm not knocking that. But uh um I'm not saying I wanted more. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what more was. Right. I kinda thought I'd be doing that my whole life. So everything I kinda have now is unbelievable to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, no shit, I have two cars and a house. <laughs> like that's awesome. You like know? how did I get in here? Yeah, right. No, almost <laughs> Every day, it's kind of how did I get here? Like, oh, I have thirty dollars to buy a Boba Fett figure. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome because I would probably spend that on booze and food, right? You know, if I wasn't married and didn't have a house. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's such a strange, like, just the the progression of life kind of thing. Like, everything feels so important. Like, not even like today feels important. It's like tomorrow feels more important than right now. Hmm. A lot of times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of like, if you step back and you kind of take stock of like everything you've been through, cause I've been doing that a lot because I'm finishing.
0: Oh yeah. College, That's a great time to do it. Yeah. Finishing
1: college right now. And then like at the same time in November of last year, I got my like five year work anniversary working at the lab. Mm-hmm. So to me, like looking back already, like in the last five years, I've been doing school for six of those five years. But mm. at the same time, I've been working at this lab already doing the, like a job that my degree is basically for. Right. And right. so it's like really like when I really step back and like examine that, I'm kind of like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Like it's really, <laughs> it's a really strange feeling to kind of think yeah. about it. Cause like this has been happening in parallel this whole time. Mm-hmm. And then when you have the moment, you're kind of like, Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. <laughs> Putting in your time. I don't know the name of the author, but that 10,000 hours. Yeah. That <laughs> book, like that's something that always pops up. At mm-hmm. what point could you say you're a podcast expert? Yeah. Right. Or I'm <laughs> an expert doodler because yeah. I've been doodling for 10,000 hours or, you know, an expert museum, a museum professional. Yeah. Like when right. can I throw professional at the end of, I work at a museum. Right. Okay. 10 years. 15 years, is that equal 10,000 hours? Right. You know, what's the justification from putting professional at the end? I got paid. So after my first yeah. paycheck, <laughs> I'm a professional. I don't think so. I didn't know what I was doing right. that first six months, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I feel comfortable saying it now, mm-hmm. you know, but that's after doing it for 20 yeah, something years. After
1: solving lots of problems and <laughs> doing many, many projects. Yeah. right? Or
0: is it a the recognition of a project? I couldn't say it before Sue, but I can now. I couldn't yeah. say it before you designed a museum, but now you can, but, um, Who cares? Right. You know, like it's all,
1: I don't know. For me, it's always like kind of going back to that, like Jack of all trades thing. Mm -hmm. It's always about to at least like being a little bit better than you, the day before, Mm -hmm. like learning. something. like if I could go like learn something new today that I didn't know yesterday.
0: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, just keep doing that forever.
1: Yeah, and then slowly but surely you just collect all these things and mm-hmm. try new things and just get a little bit better than it was before. And, and never <laughs> stop. Yeah, yeah. And then this podcast itself, because that's a really good way of doing it, is becomes a little time capsule because mm-hmm. I can listen back. Like, we've, I've already done this for a year. Right. So I can go listen to, you know, the first episode compare
0: the first and one
1: just listen to that one and be like wow that's what i was thinking back then mm-hmm. and just listen to oh, like- it's wild man. right and so yeah, it's such sure. just it kind of gives me like this really weird feeling because like that like it's my own voice that's like captured in it right yeah <laughs> But <laughs> i don't know it's just such a strange like because you don't really we just don't know you know and obviously memory is valuable so you, it's it, recounting it is one thing but then like if actually getting a chance to like listen to yourself is a whole different thing yeah I'm not
0: <laughs> fond of that I'm, I, right. I think I'll listen to this but I don't need to hear my voice yeah <laughs> That's I know a weird thing. it
1: took me a long time to be desensitized to my own voice <laughs> right,
0: to be comfortable with it <laughs>
1: yeah like because there's there's a like, obvious for the most probably like the first 20 I would say episodes I didn't listen to a single one really? after I recorded it because uh, I would edit it and then I would do like just a little bit of massaging uh-huh. but then I could just but I would be in editing mode so I would be overly harsh to what like my own verbal ticks and stuff.
0: Uh, everybody has them, of course, right. and it's
1: really hard to not do them. Mm-hmm. And so I'll like be overly harsh on those things I'm like, man, you're annoying as hell. <laughs> like all you do is say these like same words over and over again. I'm trying. I'm not saying them on purpose right now.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Because I'm thinking about them.
0: Right, right. You have to do that. And
1: um, it's just like those funny things and. After a while, it's like you know what, dude. You need to be listening to these things just to be for your own for your own good. Mm-hmm. As yeah, a quali- get better from it as a quality thing and to create like show notes to make it more of an experience to give to people. Like. You know, the more yeah. effort you put into it, the more it becomes like a, you know, a product. Right. right. Quote, unquote. Right. So it's like turning it into a business in some way. Cool. <laughs> it's, right. very, no, no. it's very weird to kind of like look at it in like four different lenses, basically.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. As a producer, <laughs> the creative person behind the mic. And yeah. Yeah. No, I th- it's great. I've listened to a few of them. Yeah. Um, I listen to podcasts almost all the time yeah. on my commute. I have like a 45-minute commute, mm-hmm. so... Um, it could be Gilbert Godfrey talking yeah. about old movies or Comic Geek Speak, which is a comic book podcast oh, cool. one. I I'll love that it. one. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, that one's my favorite. <laughs> um, or there's just a new Ron Burgundy. Well, yeah. Farrell has one now, so oh, I've wow. been listening to that one too, which is pretty good.
1: Yeah. For me, it was, it was like the, this stumbled upon podcasting accidentally kind of um, like two, three years ago where I was listening to like the TED Radio Hour. Okay. It's like the TED Talks, mm-hmm. but they would basically turn them into broadcasts. It's produced by NPR, so they would find like a topic okay. that all these TED talks would be circling around, and then they would take snippets of these TED talks that are already pre-recorded, and then interview that subject matter expert, okay. and stitch a story together about this theme, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I got super into that, and I was just like, "Wow, this is so cool," mm-hmm. you know. And it's basically basically talk radio, like broadcasting still. And then somehow I got into these guys that are doing like long form audio, like conversations. Okay. And then I was I was like, "Whoa." This is next level Mm. because I'm listening to the guys who are like, you know, PhD in some sort of crazy, you know, like nutrition experts or, you know, top renowned neuroscientists or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm having three hour conversations with these guys talking about their research and what they've learned for 10 years, you know, and I'm like, this is. Ridiculous. Yeah. Like, how do you get a conversation like this where you get all the nuance and all of the, you know, this is what I've learned and here's like what you can do too. Mm-hmm. Or here's like the books I've read too. Right, right. On top of that. And I'm just like, this is so different than yeah. any other medium I've ever <laughs> like no, came it's across. Am- of.
0: It's amazing. And <laughs> I mean, besides the time capsule part of it, yeah. for the most part, you're getting experts. Yeah. You know, you don't listen to a podcast where somebody's like, I just bought my third comic book and here's what I think. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're out there, but some
1: of them are like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, some of mine are like that because mm. I mean, from the other way, like going, so like that's the far end of the spectrum of like expert stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other end of the spectrum is, I think it's important that like people, my age, a lot of us, like you were saying is like, we don't get the chance to like speak our mind because we don't feel like we're credentialized enough sure. to be able to talk about it. But I think, you know, looking back, we've accomplished a lot more than we give ourselves credit for.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and to just be, uh, you know, in this crazy world, that's moving ever quicker. And I do want to ask you a question about computers and what it's been like to kind of have that merger Okay. for you, because it's, you've kind of had to, you know, get used to computer like technology as it's evo- evolved in your working world. And like <laughs> time. a lot more than I have, because it's just kind of been paralyzed a lot. Right. Um, it's just like, I think for us to be able to like, we don't understand how much we've actually had to adapt
0: mm-hmm. in such
1: a short span of time. Yeah,
0: you guys grew up with it.
1: So it's it's very different for us to like... And you
0: also didn't have to wait three years in between Star Wars movies. That too. Yeah, <laughs> that was hell. <laughs> I still
1: kidding. remember when we went and watched episode one uh-huh. as like little kids.
0: Yeah, and then so I guess you did have to wait. But.
1: We did wait, but I mean like it's it was like, you know, it's just always been part of my life. So right. it's not really, right. okay. oh, wait, wait.
0: <clears throat> gotcha.
1: But yeah. If you want to elaborate on the technology stuff, because I, I think it's kind of pretty essential in the creative realm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, trying to think like when I took a first computer <laughs> class or yeah. whatever it is. I mean, I know there was, I went to St. Pat's High School, St. Patrick's High School in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And there was a computer lab. And there were handful of computers in there, 10, 12. And it was, uh, you know, you took that or like study hall. So some yeah. guys took that and... I can't even tell you what, what language it was. I kind of think just straight up DOS for like guys would oh, program wow. stuff for like a week. And it then still
1: the command languages. Basically. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then
0: at the end of the week, they'd like hit a button and it would make like their name move across <laughs> the screen, like bounce around like a screensaver. And that was like a grade. Like yeah. you got like, yeah, you got an A cause that worked, you know? Yeah. And it's like 400 lines of code to get there. Right. Um, I remember that. And then at, uh, Oh God, at Wright junior college, I took our class there. Um, Great teacher who was there at the time, and he had some super fancy graphic resolution computer kind of in the back room. And me and like one other guy knew about it. I wish I couldn't think of the name of the yeah. computer or anything, but I worked on that for whatever. So um, I was familiar with that stuff. I have to say, <clears throat> it kind of came to me easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of friends my same age who still kind of struggle with the technology oh, yeah. <laughs> end of it. You know, they can find their way around YouTube or send a right. text message, but. I think it's so part of designing. It always was mm-hmm. by the time I got to Columbia and American Academy, it was part of it. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was uh, vector works was the CAD program okay. I used at the field museum. And then why bother with that when there's sketchup, you know, sketchup is 95% of what I use. Really? And it's just, <clears throat> sorry. You're good. And that's uh you can edit that out. And, um, <laughs> It's a uh, to me, SketchUp is going through uh, a couple catalogs yeah. and maybe a design magazine and cutting things out and pasting them on there. <laughs> like it's uh, that warehouse in SketchUp is you know, dinosaur import, yeah. um, mailbox import, drafting table import. Wow. Where in Vectorworks, I would build those things yeah, for the, the most part
1: three-dimensionally sketch it out basically and extrude things right
0: everything from like (laughs) an exhibit case which you can imagine there's you know a bazillion different sizes so i want this to be two feet by two feet extrude two feet make it this shape and now it's just like google sketchup warehouse museum cases and then I can import the one I want. And then if I get the okay that that's the one that looks good, then I can call that company and say, this oh, is wow. the one I want to buy. That just
1: streamlines the whole process rather it, than making everything custom. It is. And <laughs> in,
0: I'm not uh a pro at that at all i can get through it and i can do the animations and i can do some plugins with lighting to make things look Mm -hmm. nice and a lot of times it's for the pitch i know who it's for yeah Um, knowing your
1: audience (laughs) yes exactly
0: knowing your audience and nailed it and 95 of what i do is knowing your audience and um and the other five percent is just eating ham but uh (laughs) but knowing who your audience is um know how to make that thing look pretty for that 10 minutes. Yes, we like the design. Yes, it looks great. Yes, here's the money, you know, (laughs) and following up on it. I guess that's the other percent. That's so cool. When it's done, those people walk through and they're like, hey, it looks like the picture.
1: Yeah. Like, yay. That's (laughs) all they want. Because in their head, they're like, okay, does it look like we – Okay. yeah right? we okayed
0: this and it looks like that or cooler yeah right. you know, and then they walk out of the room and then you high five your boss and take a day off
1: <laughs> after working for three weeks right? <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah yeah Know that feeling a sleeping
0: bag in the trunk <laughs>
1: that's so cool um we're we're almost at an hour already whoa i know right Time okay flies. yeah that's cool so i think the best place we can start wrapping up is we what your current project is as much as you can say, since
0: okay. it's close to the opening. Sure. Well, um, it- <laughs> oh, I can tell you everything. It's uh public. It just kind of okay, cool. got announced. Um, well, the, uh, this
1: is perfect timing for like, Unofficial advertisement. <laughs> yes. yeah.
0: Thank you all for listening. Um, so, lucky enough to host an exhibit at the Dunn Museum in Libertyville, opening March 8th. I think there may be a Marvel movie opening on the same day. So, that'll yeah, help it's you remember. The Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel is opening uh, that day, too. So, imagine that weekend where you got to go see Captain Marvel and then come in on Saturday, which is March 9th, at the Dunn Museum to meet comic book illustrator Alex Ross. So, our first a uh, big temporary exhibition at the New Dunn Museum is so called cool. <laughs> Marvelocity, and it's the artwork of Alex Ross based off of his career at Marvel Comics. So it'll be stuff... You'll see it's well, kind of his life's work in a sense, but focusing on the Marvel Universe. Um, there is some pretty awesome uh, construction paper, models he Whoa. made of the Fantastic Four when he was seven years old. and then Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah well, he's, it,
1: so he's been in that into...
0: Oh, yeah. It, it, I think wow. the quote we're using in the exhibit is um, something along the lines of there was a kid who realized he couldn't be a, a, a superhero, so he decided to create them. And and that's uh, kind of the story that we're going to follow along. So when you come into the exhibit, you'll see um, some of his drawings from when he was six years old, drawing Spider-Man in crayon, to... Um, his stuff that he, his Marvel tryout pages that he sent to Marvel before he did Marvels, and um, some teenage work. He did the X-Men. He's always been making 2D and 3D artwork, so there's a lot of these small, like, so the construction paper Fantastic Four is made out of construction paper. The, the legs are rounded like tubes and taped, yeah. but he also made... The Invisible Woman out of scotch tape, so you could kind of see through it, which was brilliant, like when I saw that, not to say his current stuff isn't brilliant, but, yeah. but seeing that, it was just like... That oh, little
1: ingenuity going he,
0: in there, like, like... way back when he was six years old. That's so cool. And uh, so we're lucky enough to to have um, the only kind of showing around the Midwest is going to be here. It was an exhibit that, speaking of podcast, I listened to that Comic Geek Speak podcast, mm-hmm. and I would hear this hilariously... Funny guy, come on, Sal Abenati. It turns out Sal is Alex's manager, and I learned about that through this podcast. So when we were coming up with ideas of what we should have as our first big. You yeah know, temporary exhibit i'm like alex ross would be awesome how do i get a hold of it and then i heard Marvelosity was coming at and i'm like oh that dude from the podcast so through the magic of the internet i was able to track down sal and invited him to the museum and he walked through and he said like yep this place is cool and <laughs> and then you know that's so cool two or three weeks later i'm ringing alex ross's doorbell and we're going through his collection and he was awesome and so generous with his time and and um So if you get your hands on Marvelosity, that's the book he did with Chip Kidd and, um,
1: Yes, I definitely had to buy that one, for yeah. sure. So <laughs> when you
0: get it, it, whoever gets it, there's one cover, which I think is Captain America on the cover, but mm-hmm. it gatefolds open oh, to like wow. 14 different covers. Yeah. So we will have the original artwork to all 14 of those covers, and two or three that didn't even make it as a cover. So there's we have so much stuff, it's going to be awesome. That's so cool. And he'll be there on the 9th uh, in the afternoon. Check um, org's website, mm-hmm. and uh, he'll be there autograph signing stuff. So we're mm-hmm. going to have some custom merchandise made that'll be available in the store. We'll have copies wow. of Marvelosity and uh, you can get five things autographed. So bring five of your favoriteest ever Alex Ross things and he'll sign them and get a picture with them. That's so cool.
1: I mean, just, just for me, cause like I was looking up the some of his stuff last night before this and just kind of seeing what the museum exhibit, you know, cause it went live yesterday and stuff and the Alex Ross, for those of you who are not initiated in the comic world, if you've probably seen any sp- like Spider-Man or just Marvel artwork, you've probably seen an Alex Ross yeah, drawing. Definitely. It's a very iconic stylist, stylized dra- artwork. And when I, as soon as I Googled around, I was like finally, I'm like, Oh my, like, Oh, I like could just clicked. Like I know I was, who that dude yeah, is. I just, I'm yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I recognized the artwork immediately. Mm-hmm. Like I just knew the style and it was just, it's just so cool to like, you know, to even have, you know, someone who, it's so funny that artists could have like this iconic thing and then you you would recognize their, their artwork more than who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Like,
0: he could be standing next to you. And you wouldn't know who he is. And you never even know that right. he's like
1: this guy who's, you know, shaped an entire genre, like an era of artwork for this character. And he has. <laughs> and,
0: and the beautiful thing about it, or one of my favorite things about him, is I went to American Academy in Chicago. That's where he went, American Academy mm-hmm. of Art. We were kind of trained with this kind of classic style of illustration from Norman Rockwell and Andrew Loomis, and he's taken those. um, I think the best example, if everybody listening could look up, Arrow Shirt Man, so that was Arrow shirts from the 1940s. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a gorgeous illustration. Um, I think it's Decker is the is the illustrator who did that, and it's a man dancing with a woman. And compare that to the cover of Harley Quinn that Alex Ross did, and he was totally inspired by these 1940s, 1930s illustrators, which is what we were taught at American Academy. So um,
1: having That's so cool, yeah.
0: Like you know, the more you dig into this, and it's all in the Marvelosity book or. Or, mm-hmm. or um, I think there's another book that covers all of his work for DC. Mm-hmm. But come out to the museum, check it out. It's going to be open till August eighth. Oh, absolutely wow, so for a while. There'll be plenty of time to come see it, and there's going to be a ton of events and activities. We're open late every other Thursday night, and there's going to be guest speakers. And that John Tenuto, who, um, who I mentioned earlier, who was on the toys that made us, he's going to be one of the speakers there. Awesome. There'll be other comic book uh, artists and in, in giving talks and talking about awesome comic book stuff that we don't have to hide (laughs) anymore (laughs) that's so cool
1: i mean for someone like you it's got to be just like a whole like another like like everything comes full circle for you i don't know what
0: i'm gonna do after this. in some
1: way right like this (laughs) like you're you've set this thing in motion and like got to meet you know one of the greatest you know i think i think it'd be best to close out with just your thoughts on like comic books and like how all this like collecting stuff Mm -hmm. has been like integral to your life to kind of leave it at that and stuff
0: sure i mean uh, uh i'll be as quick as i can <laughs> no, don't, don't need to be quick <laughs> you got comic books when i was a kid you got comic books and you hid them you know if you went to uh wherever to go buy them at some drugstore it wasn't like you strutted down the street with it or talked with your friends about it um uh, I also remember getting them when I was sick. You know, your dad would bring you some comic books, and that's kind of another tie into that. I still have, fortunately, most of the ones I had from when I was a kid, so yeah. that was cool. Um, it, it could you could I say that it shaped me? I think it made me better learning lessons from people like steve rogers or matt yeah, murdoch right. is pretty damn cool you know <laughs> i mean um, all of them
1: have a catchphrase right they I mean, have it. Like, a- like spider-man's great great power comes great responsibility mm-hmm. i mean it's tattooed on my body right <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> just gonna throw
1: it out there yeah. like sometimes these things just resonate deeper than they ever intend to
0: right right you know <laughs> And it is, and, and, and to me, it was Frank Miller's run on Daredevil uh, as a teenager, reading that while I was going to Catholic school, oh, kind of wow, all tied in together, be... and seeing Matt Murdock being broken down by mm-hmm. a big corporation asshole kingpin, yeah. um, totally implanted some. Yeah, God, I can't stand money. Yeah, I can't stand bullies. I can't stand somebody needs to stand up for and, people and like that. I
1: think Matt Murdock is is interesting as a hero too because he's like one of the few that's overtly religious, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's yeah, not, I did not, 12 years at Catholic school, like, school. Not dude. many of them <laughs> have giant. that like really deep undertone with it Mm -hmm. and i that's super interesting i didn't even connect that it was
0: such a big thing reading that miller's run on that that i started uh cutting grass and mowing lawns and don't want to and stealing money (laughs) to go buy a number one daredevil that was at a a comic book shop at Ball and central in chicago and i still have that number one daredevil and i don't care how i got it yeah
1: that's so cool i I would love like if i could ever get one thing it would be amazing fantasy 15 oh god I know I mean, yeah. it's never going to sell gonna, a kidney. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Take it, please. I <laughs> yeah. just want that.
0: Yeah. That'd yeah. be crazy. Would you read it? Uh, I don't know. Would you buy it slabbed like, where you can't even open it up or dude, it, I, I will not get anything slabbed. I, I don't, have that think, I, one I don't think i number one daredevil.
1: I don't think I could because I just, I, you know, as the, our basement is uh-huh. a shrine to <laughs> the representation of these things. Yes. They're made to be experienced, not yep. to be enshrined. In my, in my opinion, like you got to smell it. Yeah. You can't learn it, learn from it unless you take the pages and touch them. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we talk about creativity and like the, the process, Mm. like the, something isn't like a book, isn't a book without a reader, Mm -hmm. you know, or a movie isn't a a movie without a watcher.
0: We just got deep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I just think it's like, I don't know. It's, it's just such a, like. We, we always, like, try to say, like, what's more important, what's not important. Like, mm. art is just as important as anything else, you know, as, as saving someone's life. Because you're, you know, the art can save someone's life because of the meaning it holds behind it mm-hmm. in some way. And, you know, it's us, you know, experimenting with, you know, the best and worst that humanity has to offer, right. kind of. Right. <laughs> and so that's what I think is makes these stories so powerful. And I think at this point in our lives, these stories have finally reached a critical mass. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about, um, in the process of writing a thing about Stan Lee, because... And Spider-Man, as I mentioned, has, has impacted my life immensely and how I orient myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to write something about, like, Stan Lee and, like, how, you know, being able to, I don't know if you watched the Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. At the end of the thing, because Stan Lee had just passed away, they right. said, you know, thank you to Stan Lee and Steve Ditko for, you know proving that we're you not we're not the only ones right you know yeah and it's that like, was awesome and i just like you know i'm getting goosebumps as i'm talking mm-hmm. about this right now because it's, it's just to me like you know we all feel alienated in our own way mm-hmm. growing up you know it's growing up is not easy for many people right, and right. The, these comic books are one an escape but it's also like empowers you to be the best version of yourself in some way
0: and you're not alone
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool
1: and it's just super powerful, and I think, you know, being able to see the art, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Alex Ross had the same, same story. Like, he could realized he couldn't be a superhero, so he decided to be the one to draw them.
0: Right, right. And, <laughs> and I think that's a huge part of uh, of the influence on me. It was comic books. It was tracing them. It was putting Silly Putty on them and then mm-hmm. pulling the Silly Putty off and mashing up the way that the characters look or, you know, taking Daredevil's head and putting it on Spider-Man's body very carefully <laughs> with, with that. and um that creativity that yeah. came from that. And and I think Marvel did a great job at the beginning of, you know, I know who Frank Miller is. I know who Bill Sienkiewicz is. Yeah. Like those people were like, Oh, I really like Daredevil. I love when Bill draws it. I love when Frank tells a story. Yeah. Like those are kind of not strangers. And yeah. I think the, the same thing happens with podcasts. Like you've if you listen to the same thing all the time, I know you.
1: Yeah. It's so weird how like, even though, you know, this episode is about you, Little bits,
0: the cons- little
1: bits of me come through inadvertently. Yeah, <laughs>
0: the constant is you. So. Yeah,
1: and so it's just like you eventually learn a little bit about the person who's hosting it, even mm-hmm. though it's not about them, kind of thing. And that's what kind of it's the all raw authenticity of these things because you can't filter right like i can't pretend to be someone i'm not
0: for mm. an hour right <laughs> right five minutes maybe
1: <laughs> right like you could be a news anchor and have that you know all right we're today for the mo- you know the,
0: <laughs> the nightly news right right
1: uh just a thin mm. whatever like that kind of thing you could put on a face or a mask right
0: right <laughs> to- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to- <laughs> this one you can't
1: i had to do it <laughs> you just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.